you've probably noticed that there are two episode 11s this week, and I made up a very silly reason why this is the case, which you will hear very shortly. But in order to get the full experience of this very silly reason, I hope you'll check out the YouTube site for a visual representation of what this is. The YouTube site is Second Act Actors. Enjoy episode 11. Ah, damn it. Oh, hi there. <laughs> Dr. McMorty from Second Act Actors. I've been working on fixing Trish Rainoni's sacred timeline. You know, the one where her interview has perfect audio and perfect video at the same time. But there's been a Nexus event or a glitch in the Matrix, and now she's got multiple, multiple timelines. She's a multiverse or a parallel universes, mirror existences, planes of existences. I've been able to get you access to two of these. One where the audio is great, but the video is crap. The other where the audio is crap, but the video is great. Which one will you find? So step into this portal here, step through the looking glass, step through the wardrobe, portal gun, and see what you find. Watch out for Morlocks. How many other pop culture references can I make towards multiverses and parallel universes? I'll keep fixing it. The TVA is gonna fire me! Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor trying to pursue acting. This is episode number 11. My guest this week is the one, the only, top dog herself, Trish Rainoni. Trish was a cafe owner turned director, actor, producer, writer, comedian, TikTok superstar. She is so talented, so funny, incredibly, incredibly supportive for Canadian content, actors just starting out their careers, aka me. She got me my first role in her my first union movie. I love her. I will not get emotional. That's why it pains me to say this. The video in this is a bit sketch. Again, Trish looks fabulous. My video goes all glitchy and wonky. I know a surgeon is not supposed to blame her tools. But again, I don't know why the video was doing weird stuff. But it's okay. Once again, the story is still there and Trish's story is awesome. This is a must-see for people who are starting out in their career or wanting to try their hand at a little something called producing because she and her producing partner, Rebecca, are crushing it. Please enjoy the one and only top dog, Trish Rainoni. I've been playing with lights in Ooh. my little area because I was looking at some of the first like things that I recorded and I was like, yeah. wow, and I still, I still, I don't know how to freaking do it. I don't know. You look, I, your, your setups look great. That's good. I, and your funny. tapes look great. You're always well lit. <laughs> that's good. You don't sound convinced. You're like, that's good. But you know what's I don't believe you, but that's good. <laughs> I, I I'll look at myself and I'm like, wow, I look pasty. I should fix the lighting. But then oh. I realized no lighting is going to fix the amount of pastiness that comes on in a Northern Ontario winter. <laughs> it's like minus 30 right now. There is no chance of a suntan unless you get wind burn. Exactly. And then it fades into a tan. Oh, I know. I was thinking, yeah. I was like, I need to spend more time outside. So you get that like nice fleshed look to your face as being an outdoorsy person. But this winter, I, no, I just, it's no, too cold. it's too cold. And there's too much snow. So it's hard to get around. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's a big seat. Yeah, it's been awful. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan of winter. Not a fan. <laughs> anyway, so hi. Hi. It's so good to see you. It's great to see you. As my it's like nose here. runs a little bit because it's that time of year where it's like you get that little nose run because it's yeah. so I was just outside and then you come in and it's so warm inside. It's so cold outside. And then you just become like a living, breathing faucet. Yes. Yeah. Not the faucet I wanted to be. I'd rather be Farrah faucet, but instead, instead I got <laughs> watery faucet through the, faucet. through the nasal passageways. That was a good one. Oh, <laughs> I'm taking improv classes. If you couldn't tell. And call me. <laughs> call me. Okay. That was annoying. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl halftime show yesterday? Of course I did. I actually sat through the entire Super Bowl. I did not know what was happening. I love football. I've like worked with the CFL and my sports medicine career. I, I love Canadian football. American mm-hmm. football I used to follow a lot, but I just have not been following at all this year. I didn't even know who was in the Super Bowl, which is a terrible thing to say. Because I should know this stuff. But yeah, I was just yeah. counting down. I was like, this last minute before the halftime show was the longest minute of my entire life. I was like, I just want to see Snoop and Dre. Oh, Snoop. I have an obsession with Snoop Dogg. I saw him in person one time and he was about four feet away from me in LA. And for the next month, I dressed like him. I was like, every day I'd be getting dressed and I'd be like, Snoop wears turtlenecks and gold necklaces and pea coats and then nice shoes and nice pants. That's what I'm going to wear today for like a month. And then <laughs> last night, seeing that gold and blue tracksuit. Oh. I'm like, I need to get one of those and wear it every day for the next month. There's just something so special about him. He's, yeah, I agree. I've never seen a performer go from backstage because he was standing like, just across from me. And then there was the little stage there. So I obviously like, you know, went to the front row of this little concert at Jimmy Kimmel. So we go into the little stage area. He comes out and I look and he's just standing right there, but he's not doing anything. You know how sometimes actors at auditions, they do like warm ups, and they might like jump up and down or they say little things to themselves. He was just like, and then eased into his performance onto the stage when it was ready. He's like, Snoop Dogg it all, bow, wow, wow, Snoop Dogg it all. And was just like the level of energy was the same as when he was standing there backstage. I'm like, there yeah. was no transition. He's just freaking cool yeah. 100% of the time. He looks like he's having... Like he looks like he's having so much fun, yeah. but not in like the energetic way. He's just like, he's just like my life is the best. I'm so I cool. I have the best life and I get to do what I love. Yeah, That's his energy. It's, it's just great. larger. It's larger than life, but not in that big, annoying way that yeah. some larger than life performers have. It's like a cool, cooler than life vibe. I wanted the halftime show to last probably about half an hour more. Same. It was like our childhood just coming back. Like I'm an elder, elder millennial. And Mm. that was just a dream. Tell me about how you got started in getting these acting roles. Tell me about your journey. I went to school for film 
film studies at Carleton University when I was 19. I wanted to go into broadcast journalism. Back in that day, I feel so old, um, if you had the grades to go to university, it was encouraged that you went to university over college. So I went to university and I was like, okay, if I have to go to university, I'm going to take film studies. Um, so I took that first year, was very homesick. It was in Ottawa, which was very far from home for me. So I moved back and we didn't have a film program at that time. Now there's a great film program at Sioux College in Sault Ste. Marie. So I took psychology because it's what my friends were taking, as one does. Um, and then I got into working with kids with autism, which was very very, um, very fun and very rewarding and awesome to see their progress over time and come up with lesson plans. I enjoyed that very much. So, so I thought I would do that for the rest of my life. And I, after graduating from psychology, got a degree in, or a diploma in autism and behavioral sciences, and then moved back to Ottawa and worked for the school board there. And then I was like, what about that film thing? why didn't I pursue that? Like, I liked this, but now it's been, at that point, I had worked with kids with autism throughout university and now for a couple of years after. And I thought, you know, I just had that wandering kind of spirit. I was like, I want to try something different now. Um, but then my father messaged me and was like, he's a business guy. So he has like all sorts of business, businesses, mostly in construction. But he was like, hey, there's this cafe would you like to have some like partial ownership in it and run the place? And I was like, running a cafe at 26, like that sounds like a cool adventure. It'll take me back to my hometown, get into business with my family and um, just do something new and exciting. And I was like, I do love coffee. Coffee is fun. I like coffee. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. So I moved back home. Also, I had heard that there were films filming in town. Like once a year, there was a feature film that would come here because this is when the NOHFC funding started. Um, so there was a producer, Rosalie Chalili, and she was tapping into, you know, she was applying for the NOHFC and she was very innovative in bringing films here. And we hadn't seen that before. So I was like, this Rosalie woman is bringing films to Sault Ste. Marie okay, I'll go there and run the cafe. Maybe I can get and like stalk her down and like get involved in film. So I did. So I came back, ran the cafe and um, started responding to like the online Facebook messages, looking for background. Um, so I did that a couple of times, really enjoyed it. And then I auditioned for a horror film uh, just two hours away from the Sioux, closer to Sudbury. Booked a principal role in that and just kind of like, I don't know, I was trying to remember high school drama class and any techniques that, that I had learned then and just kind of like taught myself the role and was like, okay, just be natural when you say these things. Like you were a real, pro I don't know, I just like self-taught myself for that role. And then after that, I was like, you know what, I need to go to Toronto because I need to take, at the time there were no classes up here. Now the North has developed so much. There have been so many innovative people um, developing it holding classes and workshops and opening acting studios and Letterkenny's been filming up here for years. So now it's much more developed, but at the time it was very sparse. It was about one film a year, maybe two. And uh, that's how I caught the bug, I, you know, got on set and then went back to the cafe and <laughs> mopped the floor and counted the cash and uh, 
yeah, it was kind of a, an exciting time. And luckily for me, the cafe was like after a year of doing it, we're like, okay, let's shut her down. This isn't my dream. And, you know, I, my dad did whatever with the building. I think he sold it. And then I moved to Toronto. I was like, I'm out of here. That experience on set that kind of re-triggered that love for being creative and stuff like that. to get you Yeah. To I think, city. yeah, I think that's what I was missing before I got into acting. And even now with producing, I need that outlet of like, I need to still act for that balance. I don't love the work of producing enough to solely do that. Like I will do it as a means to making content and getting projects made and providing jobs for folks. But the daily work of producing, it's so, so much admin and so much office work. Like I didn't think going into film, I would be spending so much time in an office like day after day doing all this office work. And even now, if I say PM a show, um, if we're service producing something, um, I usually end up taking on like a production manager role. And that's, that doesn't involve being on set so much. You're more in the office and organizing things and hiring people and keeping all the paperwork straight and making sure you have, you know, all the logistics of the film. So I think I need that acting time still to balance out my life. I need that like creative outlet. And I need, even through TikTok, I find it. Like I can get, I can get that fill. I'm like, okay. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I could quit acting because there's TikTok. So maybe I will quit. But we just go through these roller coasters, I think, where it's like one week you say you want to quit acting. The next week you're obsessed with it again. It's, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Your life from like the cafe standpoint, being an entrepreneur with that, I can see how those skills, I guess, would be so easily transferable to your life in, with your production company. Yeah. But because with all the admin and just data and organization and logistics, have you pulled yeah. anything from either of those places for your acting career as well, too? Is there any transferable skills you've noticed from that? When I was running the cafe, I did engage in an online daily acting routine. It involved pretending I liked rude people. <laughs> we are all actors in our lives aren't we right? <laughs> if you want to become a solid actor waitress or just serve people any sort of food let me tell you you will deal with some very difficult people and it is very very um testing on the patience and to get through it with a smiling face or to remain calm is, is a feat. <laughs> but in terms of producing, I feel like I do feel like all businesses are kind of run the same at the heart of it. So the daily tasks of, you know, whether it's a cafe or a film production, you're hiring people, you're filling out WSIB remittances every month, you're signing paychecks, you're looking at the bank account, you're balancing numbers, you're looking at the budget. One really special thing I did learn from the cafe was that each business has 
a certain amount of money lo- allocated for um, advertising every year. So when I got into doing web series and creating my own content um, with writing partners and producing partners, having that insight and knowing that businesses have that money put aside for some sort of create, creative advertising is a really great thing to know um, because you think by asking a business, hey, do you want to put money into this series or show or movie or short film? You feel like I don't want to knock on people's doors asking for money, but if you have something to give in return, there's, you know, there's benefits for both parties. So I learned a lot about um, like collaborating and doing sponsorships and teaming up with brands. And, you know, you put a brand in your movie, they give you a chunk of money and they get advertising in a really cool way. And you get some more money for the production or maybe a cool or some cool props or cool clothing. So that I feel like is really um, was a really valuable thing I learned from from running a business at a young age prior to getting into film. What was it like transitioning from the Sioux down to uh, the big city of Toronto and starting a, an acting career? Oh, Janet, I didn't even know how to use a subway. And I was looking at these kids on the subway. They were like 12-year-olds on the subway by themselves. And I was thinking it. How do you do this? Like, if you can do it, I should be able to, but I just can't do it. So until I learned the layout of Toronto, it was really intimidating. Um, Also in film, as you know, you travel around so much from day to day. You're going to be, you know, and I've done every position in film. I've done, you know, wardrobe, stand-in. I did background I did um principal acting I've done um what else like PAing ADing all the things not all the things I once tried to help the grips on an indie short and that was really hard (laughs) that was really hard I was like how do you do this this is exhausting (laughs) like wow I cannot do that I can't lift stuff are you kidding me (laughs) uh so I haven't done all the positions and a lot of them are really tough, but I have done quite a few. And so, you know, when you're just willing to work in any capacity in film, you're working a lot and you're working in a lot of different, you know, places. And I always just wanted to say yes. So if an opportunity came up, I would say yes. It wasn't the job I really wanted to do. I figured, well, I'll meet someone today at work and maybe that will lead to a collaboration with them. And often it did, like Lisa on Pink is In. Yes, like yeah, Lisa. yeah, like Lisa. You met on on ba- doing background, right? Yes. And yeah. then look at what has happened. Yeah. So we were on um, Umbrella Academy, and we were, you know, waiting around, sitting behind uh, in the locker room. It was a pool scene. And then she ended up getting upgraded to get her first, that's how she got her first Actra credit. You know, she got her upgrade and joined Actra. I got to set, saw Lisa right away. She had been at the party, the red carpet party for a web series I co-created called My Roommates and Escort. And we had gotten red carpet photos together and she was so positive and so lovely and so encouraging of that web series. So then when I saw her on set, she was like, you look like Trish, one of the stars of my roommate's an escort. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And she's like, 
why are you not a star? You should be in the starring role. And, and I don't know, I'm bad at accents. Lisa's awesome. She's, I love her accent. She's from South African, but don't hire me for accents because I'm terrible. I'm sorry, Lisa. So I shouldn't have even tried. Why did I even try that? So then, (laughs) sorry, Lisa. So then she, she would always say that to me. And then she reached out a few months later, we stayed in touch. She came on a podcast I had, um, she helped me get a little part-time job where we were acting, um, in a medical school as patients. So that was a fun acting experience. And then she reached out when she had the script for the first episode or first teaser episode, it was seven minutes, I believe for pink is in. And she said, remember when I told you, you were meant to be a star and that I had like one day I would have a leading role for you. I do. So I read it and I thought, Wow the top dog she's like tough so that day I like I was so excited and I read the script and then I went to the gym and I was like I'm gonna get so ripped to be top dog I was excited we shot the teaser and we all just had like a really positive nice time it felt um, like something special about it it's amazing who you if you say yes and you take opportunities and don't have that ego when you're, you know, you're trying to build your career, like no job is, I don't know why some people look down on like certain jobs. Sometimes you have those people in film who are like very negative about a certain position. And I mean, so many opportunities can come from just showing up on set. I would rather go to set, you know, a few years ago before I was producing or, or, you know, like trying to make money to get by I would rather go to a set, even if I had done principal or or lead work, I'd rather go to a set as background and make money and meet people in film who I could could collaborate with in the future and be around film than go to a bar and be stuck in a basement bar all day saying, yeah, I'm an actor. I'm just in this bar. And no offense to anyone who wants to be in a bar. I didn't want to be in a bar. That wasn't my dream. So I thought, why not go out? And just say yes to wardrobe one day. Sure, I'll do that. There's that quote. I can't remember who said it. I think it was like Warren Buffett or something like that. But how like everyone needs to have been in some type of service position. Yes. Right? Like your job waitressing, you know, at the cafe and stuff like that. I think everyone would benefit from having a job like that at one point in their lives. So they don't become those people that you're talking about looking yeah. down on different parts on set, thinking that they're oh, yeah. others and putting their yeah. ego before anything else. Yeah. Um, because if you've experienced what it's like to be at the very bottom of the totem pole, yeah. you remember that. And you never know who you're going to meet, right? You never know. People just need to be, to be nicer to the people who bring them their food because it's so much more than bringing them food. There's so much going on that that person does in a day that, that you don't see. Absolutely. Yeah. Has there been anything that's really surprised you about the entertainment industry? I think just the amount of like ups and downs. I hate to say that to like discourage anyone, but I think the amount of ups and downs because you feel like, oh, wow, I finally gained some traction. You know, you might write a show and it gets optioned by a major network. So then you're going in for six months, you're meeting with the executives, you're writing the episode or like you're writing the pilot, developing it over and over doing rewrites and then you book a role in something during the same time. So you're like, this is just going up. Like this is finally paying off. And then 
the next week you could get an email from the executives saying they're no longer interested in that show and you didn't book any of, and then you go a year of auditioning for, you know, three things a week and not booking. So it's just very up and down. And for me, I feel like, I guess there is a trajectory, but it's hard to see it and you see your failures. So other people only see your successes because that's what's published. That's what on, that's what's on TV. That's what's in a film festival. That's what's on Instagram or YouTube or Netflix, but they don't see all your failures, which aren't failures, but in your mind, you might see it as a failure because you, it's easy to get down on yourself because you're so invested. Um, but they don't see the ups and downs that go on behind the scenes. So if you're, you know, someone could say like, oh, well, you're in, pink is in, so you're doing well. And then to me, I'm like, that's awesome that I'm a part of this show. But then I'm also seeing all the things I auditioned for that I didn't get callbacks for um, that, you know, I think, but what about all these things too? That What about that one I really thought I was definitely going to get a callback for and never go? And then you start to wonder, like, am I bad? No, they keep bringing me back for auditions. So like, what is it? But people only see the things that are published and you see all of it. So that to me is the most, was probably like the, the reality check of like going away with stars in my eyes, moving to Toronto, thinking this industry is all like going to be, you know, fun and full of bookings. And, and you set these, when you're starting out, you set these like markers. So you're like, as soon as I get union, that's when I'm going to book the big shows. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to book a big show and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get this or I'm going to get a script optioned and then I'm going to make this movie and then I'm going to direct. And you kind of do those things, but in like a way more like long up and down roller coaster that can change at any moment or be put to a halt because you didn't get funding for something. When yeah. you have times like that, when you're feeling the low dips of this industry, what do you do to get out of that? I feel like when you get a no, Lisa says this a lot too. Like when she gets a no, it just kind of excites her because you know, you're one step closer to a yes. And I've had other create, like, I feel like a few of my creator closest creator friends, I've heard them say that, that they have that attitude where, okay, you get a no moving on from this one. That's not the whatever that's, that one's not meant to be. That path's not meant to be. And it kind of lights a fire under you to, figure out which path is leading to a yes. So how do I, I guess just, I don't know. I feel like I get motivated in waves. I'm like, okay, I expect no's. I'm like, okay, that's a no. What about this option? What about this? Oh, there's this executive that I met years ago who was supportive of this, this project in the same wheelhouse. Let's email them, see if they want to see us for a meeting. So it's like very, um, one no leads to, eventually leads to a yes somewhere else. So I think you just have to remember to expect no's and to expect that nothing's going to go exactly how you planned it in your head in a good way sometimes. We take things really personally because Mm -hmm. I've said this a billion times, but it was a big realization for me. We take things really personally. I know I do because we are the product. Yes. And so it's, it's us. It's, it's ingrained in us. We, we bring our personality to these characters that we get to play and then mm-hmm. when you don't get a callback or you get rejected, 
mm-hmm. it's that kind of gut punch saying, oh, it's me. It's me there. Yeah. Where if it was external, like, oh, look, I painted this painting or, oh, look, I made this um, coffee for you. And if somebody's like, I don't like that coffee. I don't like it. You're like, like you. You're like, okay, right. Well, fine. You still like me, but it's the coffee you didn't like. You can separate. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'll make you a coffee differently next time. That's an easy fix. It's not personal. But when it's, yeah, when it's you, you're like, what is like, was it, was it my voice? Was it my teeth? Oh, it was my teeth. Was it my, oh, was it that face I made? I should have done more of like my right angle. Cause I've got this, like, you know, my, my left side isn't as good as my right side, but was it, maybe it's my voice. Maybe I should have been, maybe I'm just too hyper. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm not hyper enough. Maybe I don't have enough energy. Maybe I shouldn't have like had wine last week because now I'm still like, I don't know, having a week long hangover because I'm 37. Maybe it's because I'm 37. Maybe they think I'm too old. What if I'm not old enough? What if they think I don't look old enough? And that that's what it is. I don't look old enough. Maybe I'm not old enough to play a mom. Yeah. They probably went with someone who's a real mom because, you know, I, I give off that youthful vibe. But mm-hmm. no, I look too, I think I look too old. Maybe, maybe I need to go get a facial. I look too, it's like this like constant <laughs> contradicting, spiral. like spiral stupid ego mess. It's just spiraling yeah. ego disaster. And it's all to do with all these external ridiculous things. I know you get to this point. I know I've done this where you're like, I don't fit anywhere in the industry. Yeah. I'm too like, young for this. I'm too old for that. I'm where do I belong blonde for this? I'm yeah. brunette for that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, what exactly. Really, really matters is the product that is the, is the acting, right? But we, yes. we, we look for things we can try and control. My sound quality was bad. My bangs weren't cut properly. My light was too orange. My, yeah. yeah. I shouldn't have had coffee because then I was shaking. Mm-hmm. I should have had more coffee because I was too tired in that one. It's from the producing side. When I watch an audition tape, I just know, and I'm not, I love faces. I love different faces. I don't want all the characters in my movies to have perfect teeth. I'm not, that's not what I'm looking for. So it's just, and when I hear other actors say things like, I don't think I'm booking because of my X, Y, Z, when it has to do with external things, it's like, no, actors are supposed to be interesting. And like, what makes you unique is so interesting. And someone, you know, you just know by their like essence or vibe, if they're the character and sometimes you think they are, you're like, this is the person. And then you're rooting for them. And then someone else on the team is like, no, it's this person. And then someone else on the team is like, yeah, that person or no, this person. And then you just discuss back and forth and then you hire the person and that other person or other people who you were super rooting for have no idea you were super rooting for them and thought that they were awesome. Cause you don't reach out and say, Hey, you were awesome in your audition because you just, you don't have the time. Yeah. You don't have time and you feel awkward and you don't want to like bug people. And Mm -hmm. yeah, even though it's giving them a positive message or there's so many times when like, I have so many pitch documents as a writer or creator that I've pitched over the years to, you know, CBC or whoever, whatever platforms and or Netflix or this or that, but there's like ongoing pitches happening that writers are doing. And it's really helpful helpful for me that I know tons of actors. Mm-hmm. So I'm always putting people I know are friends or like, because I know if I have actor friends, I know what their great qualities are. And I'm like, they would be perfect for this character. And I'm like rooting for them behind the scenes, but they have no idea. I'm Googling them and taking their photo and putting them as a potential cast and saying like, 
this is the person that, or these are the people that I think would be good for this role. These are, so you attach a couple of options of headshots and a pitch document of who you think would be great to play that role. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you could be sitting at home, that same actor might be sitting at home thinking, I haven't booked anything in a couple months, like, what am I doing? And meanwhile, there are people behind the scenes rooting for them and they just have no idea because that's how this business is. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing. I think that's really, really helpful to hear and really reassuring Mm -hmm. to hear because, I mean, we do hear that, right, from people, from people in the industry, but we can't hear it enough, right? So it's good to just keep hearing it because this is a really lonely job if you make it a lonely job. As you can, right? You can kind of get inside yourself because you're like, I am the product. I'm going to work on me, me, me. But I think it's so important to to network and hear stuff like this and meet people like this. So you know, even if you're sitting in your like little recording booth lonely, which happens. No, I have people behind me who are rooting for me, even if they aren't, you know, telling me publicly, right? Yes. TIFF was a time when we would get that feedback. So you'd see someone and they'd yell, your name and wave you down. And, and then you're like, who is this person? And then they introduce themselves and they're a casting director. So they've seen your face via self tape over the years. And they're like, I know you are, and you're doing great auditions. You used to hear things like that sometimes at TIFF when the, you know, some people will come out and say it, or they might think it, not say it, but when they do say it, it means so much for an actor because you think, Oh, my tapes aren't just like going into the void of nothingness and just like floating around in this void, they're making it to someone. And then, so I think if you are in that position where you can give someone feedback and tell them, I think it is important, especially now with the pandemic, we don't see people at parties and we can't give them that. But I think maybe it is, maybe I should reach out more to people, but then why I don't do it is because I don't want to reach out and be like, sometimes I will, I'll tell someone if I kind of know them, Mm -hmm. I'll say, put you in this pitch document. hope you don't mind. Um, But I think you'd be great for the role. If this, gets funded, but you don't want to let them down either. So sometimes you tell them, but then you're like, but what if X, Y, Z happened and this project doesn't happen? Or what if this happens? And then the network who is distributing it says, or the distributor says, no, you have to cast this person in a lead role. And then you have that argument and you lose the argument and you don't want to lose the deal or you don't, or you just agree with them. You're like, yeah, that person would be great. Um, And then it's not the person who you originally told So I almost like don't want to tell people because so many things could go wrong that that role won't end up being theirs. But then you do because you want to be like, I think you're super, maybe you could just say, I think you're super talented and I hope that we end up working together. But then you think, does does this person think I'm hitting on them? I don't want to slide into their DM. So it's like this, like, (laughs) it's just such a conundrum. You don't know how to tell people that you think they're doing really great work. And then you don't want to feel condescending if you're telling them. Right. So it's like, why, why am I in a position to judge if they're doing great work? They're going to say like in my head, that's what I think. My anxiety is like, they're going to be like, yeah, I know I'm doing great work. Like, who are you to tell me that? So I don't know. It's such a, it's a conundrum. It is. is, Yeah. It's hard. I think because, um, well, I think hearing what you're saying now, I think people will, will hopefully, if they hear from somebody like you or somebody like a casting director or whoever saying you're doing great work. Yes. That's, that's a, that's a key then, that then they are, like, oh, are, they are awesome. fighting for you. 
behind the scenes. That's all I need. It doesn't mean yeah. I'm going to book 8 million, all the roles that you've put me up for. Because I think, yeah, we can get into that spiral of like, such and such casting director keeps bringing me in and they sent me an email where they said it was great, but I'm not booking anything. That can be heartbreaking. Yeah. But if you recognize that, yeah, like you're doing good work and the audition is the work. Yeah. And someone who has sees a lot of auditions is rooting for you. So that's a great mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So if you do get that chance to, if you do get a compliment from, you know, a casting director, just know that they're like, why would they lie? You know, they're not oh, exactly. going to make that up. So that's a really good sign because they, they watch a lot of auditions. And they don't have time to lie yeah. to you. They're so yeah. busy, right? If they're sending you something like. Yeah. yeah. So if they're bringing you in, the fact that they're bringing you in is probably a really good sign. They wouldn't bring you in if they didn't think you could do a good job. They just don't have the time to reach out and, yeah. and say good job. Yeah, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's hard. And then you'll do things as an actor that you're really proud of. And then like say theater, I know you were doing theater recently and it's like, you feel so proud to get up on a stage live and stay in a character for that long period of time. Unlike film where it's all chopped up. Um, But then people, you know, in your life might just be like, Oh, you're always busy. Like, why are you always busy doing this thing? Why are you doing that? How much are you getting paid? You always have those people who say these things to you. And then, you know, you'll do like a 15 second commercial and it plays during a sports game. So then they're like, you really are an actor. That's so cool. Who do you know who's famous? So it's just, you know, a bit of a, I don't know. You have to like, just appreciate your own accomplishments and know that sometimes it's, I don't know. There's not always like, there's always going to be people who are like, what are you doing do you, or they think you don't work. Like people just assume I don't work. That's like a common thing I find. And I'm like, I work like 12 hours a day. But they're like, where do you work? I'm like, I don't know, at the production company that, you know, hard to get folks sometimes to understand what you do, especially for me in my hometown. I feel like that's a struggle moving back here and starting a business, just getting people to understand that this is a real business. Um, you know, we joined the Chamber of Commerce and um, we're, we're going to put out some ads soon to show people that, you know, we're not just this like unknown movie business. We can make commercials with you. We could do like some fun little comedy spots for your social media. So I think we're like, yeah, there's always that struggle too. If you're in a smaller city, that's not so used to film of just, um, you know, convincing people that this is a, a real business. Yeah. I wonder if it's because it doesn't kind of fit what people's paradigms in their head about what a traditional job is. Yeah. Your lawyer, cafe owner, nine to fiver, or it's creative, right? Where creativity jobs in creative spaces, Mm -hmm. for some reason people don't value as much or don't. Yeah. I think that's what it is because they don't, because I hear everyone from every creative walk of life say this because there's all the admin stuff. So like say a photographer, people just think they like show up, snap some photos for an hour of day of someone and uh, that's it. Hang out. But they have all of their, you know, receipts and QuickBooks and, and uh, income statements and balance sheets. And they're like running this business and they register the corporation and they're, you know, doing all the same aspects of running a business that someone with a shop would do but a shop you can see it physically so you see like a little store with groceries and stuff that's a business but then it's hard to look at like an actor and think oh they're running a business or 
and a lot of actors or writers and creators now, or even have, you know, even TikTokers now, they run it like a business behind the scenes. And there's this one, um, her name's Elise. I forget her last name, but she's like hilarious. And I guess she rents a house and goes to that house every day to film her TikToks. And she has a husband and a baby, but you don't see them so much in the TikToks because she has a rented house that she calls her office. Mm. She goes there every day, gets back to emails, does Zoom calls about collaborations, brand marketing. She, you know, plans out her day, writes her TikToks, films her TikToks, edits the TikToks. And this woman is has viral content, but you see it as, oh, this is like someone just putting like at a, if, you know, if you went to a party and you, someone said, what do you do for a living? And you're like, I'm a TikToker. Yeah. They might be like, oh, that person's, you know, making a 15, se- like spending 15 seconds a day on TikTok. no. They are planning content, planning what time, looking at the algorithm, studying it, planning what time to post, um, doing brand partnerships, doing Zoom meetings. They're like even editing in itself. If you do a good job of editing something, that is a task. Mm. That's a job. So, yeah, being a, any, in any sort of creative position, I think it's there's always way more work involved than mm. than anyone sees on the surface. So. If you want to get into acting or get into film, take a business course. That's like the best advice I could give you. It's called show business. (laughs) I saw a guy walking down the street one time on his phone in Toronto. And he was like, right as he passed me, he said, I didn't hear any of the rest of the conversation leading up to it or behind it. And he was like, that's why they call it show business. He looked like this, like, rocker dude. I guess he was in a band. That's what my guess is. But, um, like, yeah. I have kept that mantra forever. <laughs> <kept> that mantra. <laughs> Rebecca and I, Rebecca Heron, um, producing partners. We're, like, basically, if you see me, you see me and Rebecca. Or if you see Rebecca, you see Rebecca and me. Or if you're doing a Zoom call with Rebecca, I'm there off camera. And vice versa. Not today. I actually will be going to get her. Oh, you got me excited. right after this. Like, is she there? <laughs> She's here. By the way, Rebecca yeah. is here. You had no idea this whole time, but That's usually that is star. the case. But we'll tell people. We'll say, "Oh, by the way, Rebecca's here too," or Trish is here too. But we've actually designed T-shirts that say it's called Show Business, but it says One Eighty Sisterhood Productions on the back because we just quote that all the time. <laughs> That guy has no idea what he did. He has no idea. (laughs) Um, Is there anything that you are looking forward to? Because you have so many hats and do so many cool things. It's February 2022, Valentine's Day, Love Day. Anything you're looking forward to coming up? Coming up, I would say I'm just looking forward to the snow melting, getting back to filming because everything like we kind of the winter is our planning phase so that's when we have some grant deadlines we're applying for grants we're planning out okay if we get these films greenlit we're gonna film this 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 year in 2023 we'll film this one this one this one this one this one so I am you know right now it's very indoor isolating in the office doing rewrites doing grant applications um it's very like isolated work it's not the fun on set work which is yeah a little bit more yeah it's the business side so i'm looking forward to getting back to shooting this spring so we have some uh shoots planned for the spring and like getting back on set and 
being around people and that camaraderie and the joint, the unity of coming together and putting our different skill sets together and, and making a story come to fruition. So just excited to get back on set and, you know, have some warmer weather. It's minus 17 here today. Like, how, how do you function? You can't incompatible with life. It is. What is it right here? Here right now. I'm, I'm just north of Barry. I think. Oh, minus twenty three. Minus twenty three. How are we beating you? How? I never know where in the world you are because you're a rock star doctor. Who you're a doctor <laughs> and a stunt person, which is the coolest thing ever. When I describe you to people, I'm like, she's a doctor, but also an actress and a stunt person, and she has her own show. No big deal. I have the coolest friends. <laughs> the feeling is so mutual. So mutual. <laughs> so I never know where you are. And I never know if we're going to talk and you're going to, you deliver babies. Yeah. You're well, pretty I much assist, Wonder Woman. I assist, I assist in it. I'm not you, the open Whatever. Guy. You're as, okay. Hands. Like the only thing I assisted in this morning was <laughs> making my coffee and my Nespresso machine basically made it for me. You are bringing life into this world and then doing so much more on top of that. So you're always an ongoing inspiration and just a, a, just a boss. Oh, I try some days again, like you're saying peaks and valleys, right? Some days you don't feel it. Some days you feel like you're the bossiest boss, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for this year as well too. I think, you know, again, this is this always sounds so patronizing when I say it out loud. I don't mean it to be. Ooh, say it, so, say I'm it. So no, it's, I'm just I'm so excited for what you're doing this year. You know that that oh. like, saying, like I'm so proud of you, which oh, is yeah, super yeah. patronizing sounding. But for me, my no. love language is words of affirmation. So if I hear that, I'm like, Aww. um. But yeah, I, I'm so excited for what you guys are doing. I mean, everything. Well, we I, hope that you're a part of it because oh, you know we're always I, Janet, Janet, Janet. I messaged you. I did tell you when I was writing a role and I just wrote it as Dr. Janet because I was like, if I just call the character, the character is a doctor. And I was like, or she's, it's up in the air. She's maybe pretending to be a doctor. Whoa. It's a horror movie. And there's some like red herrings throughout. So like people who she's actually, it's actually a really badass role. I'm going to tell you more about it later, but then I don't want to, because what are we, because of what we talked about earlier, where it's like, but then if you don't get the funding, um, but I just put her as Dr. Janet so that it is for you. Like it's, it's yours. When you put someone's real name in, when you have them in mind for a character, then when you go to shoot, you're like, oh yeah, this person was always meant to be this person. So then you have that argument with the rest of the team oh yeah, I already cast this person. That's why I named them their actual name. Like this was written for the person with the same name as the character. It can't go to anyone else. So it's always good to just, if you really want to give someone a role and you really have them in mind from the get-go, like just make the character name theirs, their actual name, and you can change it before you go to film. That's awesome. That's really good advice for any, uh, any writers out there. Like hint, hint, nudge, nudge. This is what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Any last words of wisdom or advice for someone who's interested in changing career paths and doing what you're doing, not just the acting, but the producing, the writing, the directing, any advice from someone who's, who's done it and bossed her way through it? I would say that you need partnerships. You absolutely need partnerships in this business. Team up with people with skill sets that you don't have and vice versa 
that you know you can make something happen. Like if to be a producer, it sounds scary. You don't have to know every aspect of producing. That's why we have a line producer. That's why we have, you know, production managers. That's and sometimes you do do it all on a on a project and you learn a lot. But um, you need someone there with opposite skills to help guide you, and you can work together to create something to create the product. So I'd say really good partnerships and you know teaming up with with people you you gel with and having contracts right away that line things out, no hard feelings, like line it out. Cause you might get along now, but a lot of things could happen. And, and even if you still get along later, a lot of things happen. So it's like, it's business. So just, you know, team up with people, find good partnerships and be smart about it and, and get your contracts in place and everything. And um, start small, start with a short film, you know, direct it, even maybe try to raise some money for it or apply for a grant. If you want to direct, direct your short, and then you'll get to see and saw, like, what do you have to lose by directing a short or producing a short? The worst that can happen is you might be out of like, if you pay for it out of pocket, it might cost you a thousand bucks. If you give everyone like a little honorarium and then if it didn't work out, what's the worst that could happen? The footage is terrible. So you don't end up, or the sound's terrible. So you don't end up making it. Well, you've already learned so much just from trying that I would say start with shorts and just whatever position you want to be in. If it's your goal to do a wardrobe costume design, start out on a short and see if you really do love. Cause like, yeah, it's all the jobs in film are so all encompassing and they will very much take over your life. So make sure it's what you want to do, but a good way to like try out different positions and see where you want to be is on, is on short films only takes a day or two to film so you're going to learn enough that it's never going to be a waste it's not a waste of time so there's always something to learn or someone to meet on on those projects Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you, Trish, for being my guest this week. Everyone, please go check out the wonderful show Pink is in that Trish stars in. Please continue and well, or start supporting Canadian content. We need to support Canadian content in this country of Canada so we can make more and showcase the wonderful talent that we have here. Don't need to keep bringing up talent from the States, right? Rant over. I hope you'll join me again next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!